Welcome, welcome, podcast people. You are listening to Memoirs of Agasian, the podcast, with your host, me, Peter Perry Lamb. I am so freaking excited to be doing this. I have been thinking and dreaming and talking about doing this for the last two years. And clock it, people, February 2019, here we are. I'm finally doing it. A little background into what this podcast is about. I'll give you the tagline. (laughs) A view of life from the almond-shaped eyes of a 30-year-old gay Asian man living in New York City. That'll be in the description on the iTunes uh, info box. (laughs) Are my eyes almond-shaped? I don't even know. I I just always assume Asian people have almond-shaped eyes, but I actually don't think I have almond-shaped eyes. This is totally a tangent. And guess what? It's my podcast, so I can have the tangents that I want to have. Oh, crrr. (laughs) Uh, Each week or however often I do this, each episode will start off with me just talking at you and vibing and chatting about something stupid, I'm sure, but relevant in my life. And then we'll follow up with a guest. Today's guest is Jesse Tomsko, a singer-songwriter, composer-lyricist of what I would hope to be Broadway-bound musical Bolin, the musical. And of course, she's a friend of mine. Uh, She's an amazing talent, and I can't wait to break it down with her about what she's working on and what the next steps are. And then, of course, I'll round it off with, at the end, uh, just a little positive affirmation to take with you to start your day, to end your day, or whatever it may be that you're off to doing next after listening to the podcast. So our inaugural topic will be firsts. This is my first podcast, clearly. But in the last 12 months, I have really stepped out of my comfort zone and done a lot of firsts, if you will. Guys, I kissed a boy for the first time, and it was, like, so amazing, and, like, I think I'm going to marry him. Could you imagine? (laughs) No, I have kissed many a boy before this. Uh, Last March for my birthday, my 30th birthday, I did my very first cabaret, Memoirs of a Gaysian, what was it, 30 and Thriving, I put together my very own cabaret act uh, with my friend, music director, Keiji Ishiguri, and I put it on at the Duplex in New York City, and it was so much fun. Truthfully, I kind of blacked out while I was doing it because, I, I don't know, there was a lot of pressure, and it was my first time doing it, and also the next day I was leaving for vacation, uh, which, oh, what a great time. So it was just a great evening of friends, and I felt so loved, and Oh, it was amazing. And I, like I said, I went on vacation the next day, and it was the first time that I had ever traveled alone. And I went to Scotland and Germany, Berlin specifically, and what an awesome time that was. Lots of self-discovery. Really learned that I am okay being alone, and I'm very comfortable <laughs> being independent and alone, um, which, you know what? Hey, I'm an independent woman. I don't think that's how the song goes, but you get the idea. And then I enjoyed the experience of doing that cabaret so much. I did it again this fall in November. Oh, which, which one was that? That was Memoirs of a Gaysian, still gay, still Asian. Guys, there's a branding moment happening. Can you, can you see it? <laughs> oh, and <laughs> this was also the year that I decided to come back to dating, um, Actively, actively dating. So there were a few first dates, a few good first dates, a couple of okay second dates. I think there was like one third date. 
And you know what? I'm okay with all of that. I'm in no hurry. I'm in no rush. But, um, you know, if you know somebody, send them my way. Uh, <laughs> speaking of dating, though, I, I can say now, because it will have already been out once this podcast is released, but I am on a Netflix docuseries about dating in New York City. What the what? I do not understand how this is my life. Uh, the show is called Dating Around. There are six episodes, and each episode follows one lead person as they go on five blind dates. It is completely unscripted. It is very much so reality. It's shot beautifully. Like, it looks like an indie film. It's crazy. Uh, and, yeah, I am one of the blind dates that a lovely gentleman by the name of Lex goes on. I can't say much about it because I, I haven't seen the episode yet at, at this point. Uh, it premieres on Valentine's Day. So, yeah, I am so excited to see what happens. Maybe I got that good edit, as they say in Drag Race. <laughs> or I could totally be boring and just awful on the date. I can't really remember. I, the date was filmed so long ago. I think it was filmed in, what, like June or something? Uh, in the dead of summer, you know, when I'm, like, sweaty, looking real cute. Though I will say, I had a really good look for that evening. And yes, yeah, so be sure to tune in to Netflix, Dating Around, and check it out. Uh, once I watch the episode, once you've watched the episode, I will get into it on the next uh, podcast, and we'll hash it out, and I will spill all the tea. Oh, <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick little break right now, but when we come back, we'll have Jesse Tomsko here to discuss, of course, her music, her musical, all things about her life. She's the sweetest human being, and I can't wait for you to meet her. All right, stay tuned. to welcome my guest, Jesse Tomsko. Hi there, Peter. Hi, Jesse. Thanks so much for coming in. So happy to be here. All right. So let's get right into it. Okay. You and I have known each other a while now. A while. A long while now. Um, I went to school at DeSales University. You were a professor of voice. Well, that's not really accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what were you though? What was your title? I was just an adjunct voice faculty teacher. I'm not a professor. <laughs> I'm not qualified to call myself such. <laughs> All right, fine. An adjunct <laughs> voice teacher. Whatever. She Although, was great. By the time you got to me and you were my student, uh, you just knew what you were doing. And so I felt like I never really had to teach you how to sing. But I it was just, so fun. We just worked on repertoire. We did. You'd come in and I'd be like, Peter, what are we doing today? And you'd have a stack of books. You had like course, 10 new songs. All the songs. Every week, all the songs. Ambitious. That's when I was young and ambitious and had <sighs> zeal in life. You were all young. <laughs> young. Uh, wait, how old are you, Jesse? I'm 34 and I'm damn proud of it. Yes. I don't think I've ever made that connection that you're only three years older than me. <laughs> I was hired there when I was 22. Let's discuss that. Yeah, there were students that probably looked older than you. I were. had graduated three months before. Oh, wow. Well, blessed I was be. hired there. Blessed be. She got that job. She got that coin, people. 
Uh, okay, so yes, I, I became a voice student my last semester, my senior year. Mm-hmm. So much fun. And then I graduated, and in a way, you kind of graduated because you, you and I left DeSales at the same time. We did. So. I left because I decided to move to New York. DeSales is in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I decided to move with my sister, Jenna, to New York City. And it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment decision. But I And I really waited till the last minute, though, to tell you guys, all my students, because I didn't, I, like, loved all of you, and I didn't want to leave you, and I didn't want to say goodbye. So, um, but it was at the, pretty much the same time. I think it was the same year. Yeah. you moved later that year. I came to New York September of 2010, and you got here what, like June? June. Mm-hmm. And we somehow ended up pretty much in the same neighborhood. Wasted no time. <laughs> yep. In we the were. Same neighborhood. Yeah, um, a couple blocks away from each other, pretty much. Yeah. And your side hustle was tending tending bar at a at like my what was my favorite restaurant in Astoria, and now right. Well, RIP. first it was waiting tables in Applebee's. Ooh, woof, in yes. the city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Applebee's, yes. Hotly just had a dream about that place like two nights ago. But I, um, I, I always like to. Can I curse on this? Oh yeah, I, totally. I talk a lot of shit about Applebee's because it was kind of an awful time of my life. But you know, I also have to give them props because they were wonderful to me, and they. They hired me, and because of them, I was able to move to New York, and I was actually able to, like, scrape by and live here as, like, not ideal as it was at the time. It was something that I was really grateful for. I mean... Shout out to Applebee's. I I do enjoy a half price app. I'm not gonna lie to you. I love the app sampler. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie to you. Whenever now, I don't ever go to Applebee's in New York because that would be trash. (laughs) But every time I go elsewhere and there's an Applebee's, I'm like going to Applebee's. Well, because you know, you know what you're gonna get. The app sampler. I'm getting like the quesadilla, veggie burger. Dead. All right. (sighs) So you're in the city. You're pursuing uh, being a singer songwriter. Among other things, yes. Among other things, of course. Yeah. Uh, You also teach voice still. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, tell me a little bit about what that has been like, pursuing that part of your career. Um, Well, I think I I made the jump from waiting. So I was waiting tables, and then I, like you said, I was bartending at that little spot here in Astoria. Mm -hmm. It's no longer... No longer here. So good. It was good while it lasted. Um, And then I made the jump from there to... I decided I wanted to go back to teaching because I love teaching. And I uh, love teaching voice and I do piano and guitar as well. And I was toying with the idea of trying to start a little studio here in New York. But it was very intimidating. And so I didn't know if I could, you know, have enough students to, like, be able to do it full time. And how would I get interest? How would I get new clients? Um, so, but then I was hired at a school in Hoboken. Um, I guess this would have been like five years ago now, Mm -hmm. five, six, maybe, um, to teach mostly kids who I'd never really taught before. Um, mostly kids, Like like, like four through nine, um, piano and guitar and some singing. And, um, I love everyone I work with. Love my students. I do teach at the art house um, in here in Astoria. Oh, cool. It's a conservatory yes, on yes. Broadway. Um, I love being a teacher. I mean, I, you're so good at it. You have such a, is, uh, Sondheim, a time. Sondheim says teaching is a sacred profession. And everything uh, and that Sondheim I, says is right. So and everything he says is right. <laughs> but I love it. I love that I get to work with people from 
all walks of life of all ages. Mm-hmm. My youngest student right now is five and my oldest is like 50. Wow. What so a range. it's, it's super fun to work with people of all different ages and from different professions. I work with, I've worked with models and like cops and insurance agents and uh, physicists, people Whoa. who just like want to sing and play and whatever. And, and that brings them us all together. And so I think that that's a really exciting um, profession for me. Uh, so I do love teaching, and that's been, for the past five, six years, that's been, like, my main staple, like, my bread and butter. Um, and it's just, it helps that it's a lot of fun, and I love it. And the hours are much friendlier than bartending. Uh, yes, I bet. Difficult. <laughs> um, I mean. Difficult to, because I, you know, I always was trying to be a composer and a performer, and it's it was really hard to have that life and be pursuing that outside of bartending when I was up all night and then I didn't have any like comfortable daylight hours mm-hmm. so it was really hard to juggle I mean I did what I had to do but it was it was hard um, I mean you're still alive you know <laughs> and you're still making your art I, I yeah and I got a lot of I think good perspective and experience and um I think I became a better, just like a better human working in the service industry. Yes, I fully believe that everyone <laughs> at some point in their life should work in the service industry because you you learn how to you learn how to be nice. Yes, you learn how to relate to people. You learn how to, as we used to say, kill them with kindness. Yep. <laughs> like you learn how to basically, um, you know, have someone have someone treat you really poorly and still kind of smile through it just, <laughs> and let it go at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, I, to an extent, still work in, not service necessarily, but I, I work in the hospitality yeah. space. And yeah, like, at the end Same of the day, thing. when someone like yells at me or like is having a grumpy day and they're bringing that, bringing that to me, I know it's not about me. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give you what you need and I'm going to give you a smile. Exactly. I'm going to send you on your way and hopefully you'll realize after this moment that you were being a butt lunch (laughs) and nobody likes you right now. So go fix it. A really good observation. And that's, I think, what I learned while I was there. And when I first started, I used to like get me down a lot and I would get in like terrible moods after my shifts um, if something terrible happened. But, you know... I think that I've been able to take that perspective into other areas of my life and and use it. I think that I use it in my teaching. That Amazing. like attitude that I cultivated while working in service industry, I think that I'm able to still use that now. <laughs> so you are a singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of your music, oh, as you know. How many albums are you up to now at this point? I think like seven or eight. That's crazy. Maybe I'm about to put out, I think, the eighth one. Like in the next Oh yes, in the I'm next, so like, excited. You've been working on this two. one for so long. Well, like. we got so sidetracked for a while. Well, um, why were you sidetracked? Well, many things. So we I started recording this latest album, which is called Wild and Good, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about, very proud of. A lot of wonderful um, people got to come and record on that record. I did it at a beautiful studio. My producer, Michael McCoy, is unreal, and we work so well together. Um, but we started the project, and then a lot of other things came up. I, I got engaged later that year, Yay. and this was, at this point, going into, like, 2016. I was at the wedding, y'all. Yeah, it was a great it was wedding. <laughs> and it turns out that 
planning a wedding is a goddamn lot of work. <laughs> oh, you don't say. <laughs> and so I feel like I didn't get much done, like really in the entire year of 2016, particularly like the latter half, because my wedding was in early 2017. So there was just so much that came up with that. And I was also teaching a lot. And I didn't feel like I, you know, ha was giving it as much time and attention as I wanted to. And then the wedding happened and we kind of got back into the swing of the recording after that. And then um, we had some tragedy in the family. My husband's father passed away a couple months later mm -hmm. and they were, are, live in Ireland. So we were out there and it was just, we also lost another member of our family. And uh, it was just sort of like a little slump there for a while. And then overall, I also started um, writing a musical, oh, which yes. Um, yes. has taken over my entire life. I know we'll talk about it. It has taken oh, over will. my entire life, and it's become my absolute passion. And it was like, I'm so excited about this project that I almost kind of drifted away from my recording. It was almost because like my, it was like my brain couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do these two big things at once. Oh well, yeah, of course. It was you were too, so passionate. It, it was you are too, so passionate. It was too hard it. to like think about finishing this album and also what I was working on, which is this new musical. Um, so, but that all said, so it's been it's been like three years that I've been recording this freaking album. But it's gonna happen. <laughs> it's finally done. I have the masters. I'm gonna hopefully, um, well, I, I did it through crowdfunding. So yes. I'll be sending off the finished masters to the people who were part of the crowdfunding. Like Amazing. they'll be getting the links to all the downloads, like probably in the next like week. Wow. So, so it's, soon. it's finished, which okay. is really exciting. Um, and a relief because it's, I'm really proud of it. And I don't want it to seem like I forgot about it because I didn't. It was just always like something I, I was, thinking, oh yeah, we'll finish that. One more month. Another, um, another month. <laughs> a year. <laughs> okay, next month for sure. <laughs> but now it's done. And that's so, so what is it called it's again? Done. It's called Wild and Good. All it's right. nine tracks. Amazing. So do you think you could get me a snippet to play for the people? I think we can arrange that. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break, but in the break, you're going to hear a snippet from Wild and Good. Yay. There's a house in the mountains with a red door and a tower and pile of firewood. And life is wild and good. Where the stream's always flowing and the birches keep on growing over where we stood. And life is wild and good. My baby says this is all he Wishing for a little piece of land and a love like mine. Oh, my baby's an old soul through and through. Ooh, just a little ward and one of the wiser few. And how he wears his life like a pair of comfortable shoes. I finally found me an old. a little snippet of Wild and Good by Jesse Tomsko, who is still with me today. 
Hey, Peter. Hey. <laughs> okay. Let's dig into what I've been wanting to talk about. Not that everything else wasn't important, but... I'm so important. You Everything are... Important. It, true. But you are now a composer slash lyricist for what I want to say is a Broadway-bound musical. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, what is the name of this musical? It is called... Well, tentatively for now and maybe forever. Working title. Forever, working title. maybe. It's mm-hmm. called Bolin. Boleyn, as in? As in Anne Boleyn. Um, she was Queen of England from 1533 to 1536. Henry the... Second wife of Henry VIII. Henry yeah, VIII, mother yeah. of Queen Elizabeth, and she was beheaded in uh, 1536. Well, yes, history lesson, <laughs> yes, thank history. you. Wait, let's... Uh, what's that rhyme? It's divorced, beheaded... Divorced, beheaded, died. Died, divorced, beheaded, beheaded survived. survived. Six so wives. she was the se- se- first mm-hmm. beheaded. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was the first beheaded queen of England. Wow. There, there was more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it's hard to be a queen in England, sure apparently. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I didn't know too much about Emmeline before. Um, well, fun fact: I have worked with you on this musical. I've done you sure a little. Have. <laughs> I've done a little. A work. little. You could say that. A little. You've yeah. done a lot. <laughs> I've dabbled in Whenever the, I the need tracks. like some tenor stuff or some like high riffy stuff, I'm like, Peter, can you come <laughs> over and record, please? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, before really uh, working with you on this, I knew n- not much about Anne Boleyn. Mm-hmm. I-, I watched The Tudors. That mm-hmm. was what on Showtime mm-hmm. years ago. And um, I think that was Natalie Dormer who played her. Oh my God, I love her. I love her too. She just has. She a- was an awesome Anne Boleyn. Oh my God, she just has the perfect face for everything. She mm-hmm. can play like ingenue, she can play mm-hmm. a villain, both mm-hmm. at the same time. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but that's all I really knew about Anne Boleyn. So like, I right. just thought she was like a slut. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not here for slut shaming. So. I also kind of feel like that show was pretty historically accurate. It was, well, that's good it to was, know. There was a lot. There was they had, they changed some things and and a couple of facts were distorted, but um, it was pretty good. Like they got they got the world and they they used a like a lot of the people that would have been there were characters in the show and they didn't they didn't change a lot actually. I thought I mean from what I've been reading and learning about the whole time period, I I feel like that show was pretty accurate. It sounds like you've used it as some research as well. Well, I was a fan of the show when it first came out, like years oh, and years okay. yeah, ago. Like, I watched it, never imagining that I would embark on my own telling of the story. I just have always been a fan of, um, well, I'm a kind of a history buff, mm-hmm. and I've always been a fan of historical dramas and uh, things of that nature, and so I was just watching it for the entertainment of it. and. So what kind of brought, I mean, why Anne Boleyn? What brought this on? Why a musical? Oh my God, it was so weird. I, cause I never fancied myself a, a composer and I, I like musical theater, but I never thought that I would do anything with that. Um, so, it, well, I guess I should preface it by saying that I have always really been intrigued by the story of Anne Boleyn. I think I might've been like 10 or 11 when I first learned about Henry VIII and his wives and was always really intrigued by her and thought it was just amazing that this in this time of in history that these kings had just such absolute power and how it was I, I found that fascinating and so I guess I was always into the story um but no I, the inspiration for it was so random and I was writing very late one night I guess this was almost three years ago 
and I started to think um, of like writing prompts to get myself some inspiration for writing a new song. And not even necessarily, well, definitely not, not musical theater. No, really. not at all. And I was just, because sometimes you just think of like questions that as you're writing something and you think of a story that you want to tell or your eyes fall on something that inspire you. So I was just playing around and I just, this question popped into my head. And the question was, what if Anne Boleyn wrote a contemporary folk song from the Tower of London? What would that sound like? That, and it was so random. Like that I, is so random. It was so out of the blue. And I, then I almost like laughed it off. Because I thought, this is so stupid. Why, why would I even think of that? And then, but I was like, okay, I'm going to go with it. I'm just going to use this as a writing exercise. And, um, and so the song that I proceeded to write then kind of became the launching pad for this whole project. And which song was that again? It's called More Than a Man. Is it still on the show? It is. It's toward the end of the show, actually. Do, we have, uh, do you have a demo of this I, I do have a demo of it. Well, we're going to hear a snippet <laughs> of More Than a Man. So she sings it. We've placed it for now um, at her trial. All right. Cool. At the end of her trial. So we're going to hear a snippet from More Than a Man. Great. So, clearly you're singing on that track. Yeah. I'm assuming you sing pretty much a lot of the tracks. Not a lot of them, just because it's been really easy. Because I, I record the demos at my apartment. And so, 
it's just the easiest thing sometimes when yeah. there's female vocals that need laid down and like a <laughs> bunch like, of harmonies. <laughs> I just do it. But I have had a number of different women come and yes, sing and, and just to have different voices as Anne and as the other characters as well. Because I don't want to always just hear myself. I mean, I'm more than happy to just listen to you all the time, but I guess I understand. Um, Wait, so how long ago was More Than a Man recorded? That was your first song. I recorded that, I mean, I wrote it almost three years ago, and I think I recorded it probably later that year. That is crazy. I I can't, like, I've been working on this with you for a little bit, but, like, it does not feel anywhere near three years. I mean, well, we... I don't. I don't think I had people come record anything for like a solid year, year and a half into okay. it. So right. I was, I was writing. Sense. So maybe you first heard of it, maybe like two years ago, or maybe a year and a half ago mm-hmm. when you first came. I'm not sure when that was, but because um, the first year really was just like a lot of like research and outlining things and kind of figuring out the scope of the world and what we wanted to focus on and what um, like what Anne's arc is and how much other stuff we want to dive into yeah of course um i i kind of think that maybe one of the reasons this topic hasn't been a musical yet i mean there have been several musicals written that are more focused on henry the eighth yeah um and there have been plays about anne boleyn but i think one of the reasons why it hasn't been there hasn't been a musical that focuses on her is because the scope of the story is huge. The I mean, it, it spans like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are plenty of musicals that go through a time period as long or longer than that. But it's kind of intimidating when you dive into all the research and you're like, oh, there's just so much stuff. It's well, so heavy. She there's, goes through it in those 10 so years. There's so many like characters and there's so many... There's po- The politics are crazy and just the amount of time that goes by. And I think it, um, it just feels like a lot. It feels very intimidating when you... Like when I started, I knew I had this idea, but I didn't know how I wanted to tell it. So I know you're a composer and lyricist for the piece, but mm-hmm. who else is attached to it? So I am co-writing the uh, the musical with my dad. So my Love dad is that. a writer and a fellow history buff. And when I first got the idea for this and I was dabbling with with it and figuring out how I wanted to tell it, I was, it was kind of overwhelmed by just like just how much work there was to do and I also don't really fancy myself like a writer writer um but my dad is and so I asked him if he would consider writing the book for it and he said absolutely so that first year really was spent with us just trying to flesh out the characters um so that's yeah that's yeah, we're like a father-daughter writing team. That. That's so <laughs> I cute. I wonder, have, has that ever been a thing? I, I don't know. Maybe you're the first. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Tony Award winning oh father-daughter team. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been three years and we're kind of, um, we're at a place now where we're like really starting to share it. Um, like, you know, we've submitted to, we're waiting to hear back from a lot of Festivals. Festivals, workshops, like summer residencies, um, lab programs, mm-hmm. like just trying to get beginning. Yeah, we're beginning to seek out opportunities to actually start to see it and like hear it with actors and singers and 
um, see, because I, I think we, you know, we have a full, we have a full book that's already been through like a dozen revisions. Oh, I was in that, that first, that first read, read. oh Jesus, the first, oh my God. So like, that was like a year ago. I yeah, think. that was about a year ago now. We had a read, like a little private reading in my apartment of act one. Act one. Which was with about 15 people or so. Mm-hmm. Like it was a tight squeeze in there, but it was exciting. We had like pizza and beer and wine and, and let me tell you, Bill Peter, how long did it take us to read through act one? Act one, I think. <laughs> When we read through all, I think it took two hours, two and a half hours. Two? I thought it was more like three and a half, four. Oh my god! I was, I literally at one point I was like, this, this, this is four acts. Off the chain. Like, it was ridiculous. But, to be fair, um, in that first draft, we had just put so much into it. I mean, yes, nothing was cut. Everything was in there. We like, I love it all. We done a reading. We'd never revised any of it. Like, it was so new. And it it actually was a really helpful step in the process. And well, that was the night where, I guess... Who's on your creative staff now? So we have um, a director. We have her name is Mia Walker. Amazing. She's the uh, directorial assistant to Diane Paulus, who directed um, A Waitress, Waitress and Pippin, Finding all Neverland. the things. Did she do? Did she do hair too? Oh, she was going to, but it's canceled. No, not the TV hair. Well, yeah, but she did the oh, Broadway hair, I think. I believe. Diane Paul yes. did that. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. thinking NBC. So um, Mia is her assistant, as, as well as like an upcoming director of in her own right. And um, she was looking for a, a meaty project that was um, featured a strong female protagonist to kind wow. of like sink her teeth into. And, and so I think that she was excited about the material and the possibilities. And then... With her, she brought Adam Kaufman, who's our music supervisor, um, who she knows through Waitress, because um, Adam associate music Director, supervisor, supervisor uh, I believe, yeah. on Waitress, and he also plays in the band and, you know, runs vocal rehearsals and things like that. So um, we've got the four of us as this core team. And, like, you guys pretty much all met-ish for the first time around around that first Yeah, reading. about a year ago we met. Yeah. Um, and they've I met been attached ever since. Yeah, so we've come a long way since that first act one four-hour read. Oh, my God, it was crazy. Um, and, you, yeah, I don't think at this point, I don't know if anybody at that read would even recognize act one where it is now. It's changed yeah. so much. We had a lot of work to do in terms of, like, integrating song and scene. I never wrote a musical before, so I don't, like, I, I know how to tell stories through songs, but not in this theatrical sense. And so, you know, we found things, for example, like we would something would be said in the script and then it would be said again in the song. So things like that, we had to do a lot of cutting and integrating song and scene. We've cut so much. We've added things. We've moved things around and it's still going to, it's going to change a lot more as we start to workshop it. But I feel really good about where the draft is at this point. I think it's a really solid working draft. It's three acts. Three-act um, musical. Which is intense. Come on now. <laughs> the third act is, is on the shorter side, though, so it might be, like, the kind of thing where there's an intermission and then, like, a brief pause or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if audiences can handle that, <laughs> but we'll see. It might become two. Who knows, really? But, I mean, the material's there to make it three acts if we go that route. Um, I'm sure in the three years that you've been working on the piece... Things have come and gone. Oh, God, yeah. Songs have come and gone. Scenes have come and gone. Scenes have come and gone. Characters have 
gone. <laughs> they just died. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> they went into the ethos and they we never came back. We had one too many old white guys at one point, so we were like, let's get rid of a few of these. <laughs> That's how I feel about our political uh, environment right now, but sure, so I'll leave it at that. Many. One too many old white guys. Let's so just we, get rid of a few. Cut, cut a few. <laughs> oh my God, that's a mantra if I've ever heard one. Um, but how, in that process though of like, you know, let it, cutting things and letting them go, like, have you had a few things where you're like, oh God, I'm so attached to this. Like, I can't possibly let this go. Or have you been like, mm, bye. Yeah, actually, I've been like, mm, bye. All right, yeah, cool. Because the the ones, the I mean, the I love, I love it all now. But the in these earlier drafts, there were some songs that were, um, I wasn't so crazy about. Um, and I was okay with losing a couple of them that didn't weren't serving the story, um, just weren't really working. I ended up writing one thing that I initially was excited about, but then we ended up bagging because it just didn't work. Um, there was one song that I had that I was a little sad to see go, but looking back at it, it just didn't fit. Yeah. And it was a fun, like, it was a good song. I thought it was a good song, but it wasn't doing anything, and also we, like, changed the entire scene that this song was happening in Got so it. but now um I like I went back and I cut things and I rewrote a couple of songs um or just wrote entirely new ones to replace the ones that I was feeling kind of meh about mm-hmm. so I feel like at, at this point I do love every song we do have 55 songs <gasps> so I know that I'm gonna have to say goodbye to a lot of them <laughs> at some point I mean I had I have to say, considering that this is essentially your first, uh, I don't know, endeavor in musical theater. Yeah. Well, no, there was that little one that that I did with you. Oh, I did like those couple scenes. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with the musical theater factory. Yes, it was a yeah, lot yeah. Of fun. Um, we, there was that, but aside from that, this is essentially your first like. Oh yeah. Delving into mm-hmm. musical theater, and I have to say, it, it is epic. Oh my god! Like this is not like. <laughs> A musical scene that you wrote in college. This is like right. a full-blown musical it's that you're just like, blown. let me get in here. Let me get in here. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to tell us about the musical? That just that I'm excited about? about it and, you know, we'll see what the year holds. Um, I don't feel reservations about talking about it now, obviously. For the past three years, I've been very hush-hush about it because I don't, I didn't know what it was and I didn't want it getting out too soon. But because we're sharing it We've shared it with so many people at this point, and and we're discussing the work with several different like organizations, and I, I feel like it's okay to start talking about it and sharing it because I'm so excited about it, and I'm really proud of it, and you know we'll see we'll see where it goes this year and over the next year and maybe more. I don't I don't know. I'm excited to see where where the journey goes next. Amazing. Yeah. All right. It's well. Been fun. Thanks so much for coming in today. So fun. I love talking to you <laughs> in general. I mean, outside of the podcast, but I'm so happy that people can find out more about what you do as a singer-songwriter, and then, of course, more about what you're doing with this musical, Berlin. Cool. Thank uh, you. Just to be a little vain, I'm going to sign a, sign this part off with um, one of the demos that I sing on. So. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> Which one should yes. it be? What's the one I just did? Um, well, you did that one it's in the, the arrest scene. Yeah, the Smeaton one, right? You, we could do that one. What's that one called? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. All right. He's being tortured. All right. To confess. <laughs> Ooh. Peter's being tortured. I'm being tortured. <laughs> tortured to belt my face off. <laughs> All right. So this is Tell the Truth from Berlin. Thanks so much, Jesse. Thanks, Peter. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. So help me God. So help you God. 
hotel just leads right to the news. So tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. I loved to sing for her majesty And she loved how I played the guitar Though shamefully she was in my fantasies I swear I only loved her from afar And we're back for the final segment of the podcast. I'd like to take a moment to thank my guest, Jessie Tomsko, for joining me this afternoon. She is an amazing human being, such a good singer, songwriter, composer, lyricist, all of the things. Check her out on Spotify. That's Jessie Tomsko, J-E-S-S-Y-T-O-M-S-K-O. You can follow her on Instagram at Jessie Tomsko. And of course, check out her website, jessietomsko.com. Being that this is my very first episode of the podcast, and after hearing Jessie's story of leaving Pennsylvania and moving to New York City to pursue her dreams, all I can think about is something that a professor said to me in college um, when I was still an actor. He used to say, if the work wasn't there, you have to go and make it yourself. And all that really means is that if the opportunities aren't presenting themselves, you have to go out there and make them for yourself. No one's going to be standing there with a big clipboard saying, here's an opportunity, y'all. Catch on. (laughs) So that's what this podcast is. It's, you know, I don't have a radio show or a TV show. Well, I kind of do, but not really. (laughs) But it's a medium for me to communicate and just talk to all of you in some weird, vain way. (laughs) And I hope that you'll continue to tune in uh, week after week or month after month. I'm not really sure how often it's going to be, but uh, I'm really excited for this journey. And thank you so much for listening to my very first episode. And until next time, peace out. (laughs) 